Sony. Hello, Canada. Today's date is November 3rd, 2021. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense, 45 minutes of unscripted, unedited, and for the time being, uncensored commentary on Canada's issues. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. How are you, my man? All busy. Really busy. How about you? Well, I am doing well. It is November, and there is no snow on the ground, and the temperature is above zero. So, man, this is good. Sounds like here, except we have snow in the mountains all around us. So, oh, so it's coming. Yeah, yeah it is coming. All right. Well, we've got a good show for you tonight, Canada. And uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, last week's show and uh, the rant that was in between. But on the show tonight, Manitoba has a new premier. The Supreme Court actually gets it right on freedom of speech. Justin Trudeau hates the West. Aaron O'Toole, eerily silent. Doug Ford makes some common sense. And more. Where do you want to start, sir? Well, let's just start off the top with Manitoba's new premier. Okay, so a uh, uh, vote of the PC party of Manitoba. Uh, Brian Pallister, as we all know, stepped down a couple of months ago. And there was two ladies vying for the job. So no matter who won, we were going to see Manitoba's first female premier. And that happens to be Heather Stefanson. So congratulations to Premier Stefanson. She has now been sworn in. But... Her rival, Sheila Glover, is challenging the results of the election. In fact, she's even going to court. I roll right here. Yeah. I don't know. Sounds sounds like, uh, I don't know. There's this, the whole narrative now that, that all elections are stolen. And uh, I'm kind of getting tired of it. You know, that's exactly what I said when... Uh, I heard the news as well. I thought, you know what? The PC party of Manitoba is a private entity, essentially, right? Because it's a political party. So I don't have a hard time figuring out how the votes could get stolen or how, I mean, maybe some cheating could take place, but probably not enough to change the results. And I thought the same thing as you, like, come on, just give it a rest. Not every election is stolen, exactly like you said. Yeah, I mean, and this is going on, and it's from the left and from the right now. I mean, it doesn't matter. Everybody claims the election was stolen now, and it's and the other and the other side uh, faints um, astonishment at how the other one could possibly claim that the election was stolen, considering <laughs> there's no such thing as as uh, as election fraud. But when they lose. No, the election was stolen, and uh, and there's there's voter fraud just running rampant throughout the nation. So, you know, I, I just get sick and tired of it. It's like nobody can lose uh, gracefully anymore. Yeah, and you know that I was actually thinking about that today, and this isn't even a new phenomenon. I remember in 2011 when Stephen Harper won the majority government in Canada. And Jack Layton, who was leader of the NDP at the time, well, everybody knows Jack Layton. He uh, 
was the first one to stand up and say, more people voted against the conservatives and voted for him. This is unfair. And so and I, I immediately went and looked at the voting results in Toronto Danforth, which was Jack Layton's riding at the time. And Jack Layton won with just about 40% of the vote. So it was like, we could say the exact same thing about you, Mr. Hypocrite. Yeah, and, and, I, and that's the other thing I get sick and tired of, is people voted against somebody rather than for them no no that's not true you voted for a candidate you didn't vote against a candidate you voted for a candidate and your candidate didn't win yeah yeah that's uh well especially with this with this premier or the pc leader race in manitoba i mean yeah there's only two choices so you were not voting against anybody no, you're not voting against somebody unless you're voting st- strategically in your riding. But, I mean, let's be real. I mean, you've got three other, three or four or five other candidates on the ballot. You're you're picking one and you're voting for that one. You're not voting against. There's no, there's no choice on the ballot that says uh, against the incumbent. I mean, or against the conservative there's no there's no choice for that you're voting for a candidate and if your candidate didn't get the most number of votes you lose so shut up and next time vote better yeah exactly and just as you were saying that my my thoughts went to what if there was a none of the above vote they'd probably win every riding yeah <laughs> yeah they'd win a few i think yeah yeah yeah, I would legally change my name to none of the above. Yeah. <laughs> Geez, there's a there's a thought for a joke slate. All right. <laughs> All right. So anyway, congratulations, Premier Stefanson. Um, yeah, I just hope I just hope honestly, I hope she's she's uh, a lot better at um I, I just hope that she's not a sacrificial lamb the way that uh, Kim Campbell was. Um, that uh, and I hope that she's actually a, a really competent leader, and that uh, she can lead the Conservatives into another election in Manitoba and win it. I hope that you're right, and I uh, I share your reservation. I would really hate to hear the words Premier Wab Canoe. Yeah, yeah, me too, because I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> well, and there's that. So. <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about the Canadian flag. Now, I have num- I've done the research as far as the Commonwealth is concerned. The Canadian flag has officially flown at half-mast for the longest continuous stretch of any Commonwealth nation, possibly in the whole world, but at least for any Commonwealth nation. I feel sufficiently shamed as a Canadian that I think the flag should come back up anyway. Aaron O'Toole has paid a little bit of lip service to it, but only because the Mohawk Nation in Quebec actually stood up and said, we're putting our flag up for Remembrance Day because we have a lot of First Nations veterans that deserve to be honoured. So suddenly now, Aaron O'Toole is on the train. Oh, yes, we do need to raise our flag. The man yeah. makes me think. Oh, yeah. No, O'Toole is making me absolutely sick. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to put it. 
I mean, he's he is he he is Mr. Dithers part two, and part one being Paul Martin when he became prime minister, when he was the finance minister, the guy spoke like a champ. Then he come, becomes prime minister, and he's Joe Biden. And uh, I, I mean, and you could honestly say Joe Biden is really the 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 American version of uh, Paul Martin, but um, because he came after, but uh, but Paul Martin is Mister Dithers Part One, and that's what everybody called him when he became prime minister. And now we've got Mister Dithers Part Two. And he's not even the prime minister. He's the leader of the official opposition. And he's in a role where he actually can stand for something because he doesn't have, there's no election coming. He can stand for something. And he, he doesn't. He just doesn't take a stance on anything. And I mean, like I said during the election, this guy is licking his fingers, sticking it in the air, seeing which way the wind is blowing, and then changes his mind on things. Pissing me off. Well, and you think, as somebody who served in the Canadian Armed Forces for 12 years and had some very good things to say during the election campaign about raising the flag, about Canada Day, and, yeah, now he waits for somebody else to take the lead and, and, and essentially says, um, yeah, I'll have what he's having. Well, it's really sad when we've got our flag lowered to half-mast uh, because of the First Nations issues, and it's those same First Nations that say, okay, enough is enough, we're putting the flag up. Um, get the goddamn flag up, period. Yeah, you know, and, and, Mr., and Mr. Aaron O'Toole, you claim to have been an honorable and proud soldier for Canada. Well, why don't you show how honorable and proud you were to be a Canadian soldier and stand for something and stand for the flag, stand for November 11th, stand for those guys that came before you and lost their lives and the people who came after you and lost their lives. You owe them that much. And you were a honorable and proud soldier then show it because you're not showing it right now. And I mean, you can't lower the flag on November 11th if we don't raise it first. Absolutely right. And we're going to get into more Aaron O'Toole dithering later in the show here and just to tease another segment out. But I just don't get it. I mean, you said it well. I mean, as a, as a veteran of the, of the Canadian Armed Forces it should have been a no-brainer that he would be demanding that flag go up. And I know that Mr. Trudeau has paid some lip service to, well, maybe we can raise the flag and then lower it again after Remembrance Day. No, put the flag up, period, end of story. We will lower it to honor our veterans, and then we will put it back up like a proud nation that we are. We had our flag at half-mast for Canada Day, our national celebration of our nation's birthday, for crying out loud. Put the flag back up. I mean, is this... Are we going to just have the flag at half mast in perpetuity? Like, are we only going to raise it for uh, Remembrance Day so that we can lower it on Remembrance Day? Is that all we're going to? Is that what we're going to do from for for eternity? I mean, 
this is this is ridiculous. And, and I mean, Justin Trudeau even said, "We will raise the flag when the First Nations say to raise the flag." Um, why is this being left up to a a single race of people to decide if we get to raise the flag or not? That's a good question. And then it goes back to the beginning of our segment. The Mohawk Nation is saying, yeah, we're going to put the flag up. So maybe take your cue, Mr. Trudeau, that at least one First Nation has said, yeah, it's time. And uh, Chief Cadmus DeLorme from the Cowessus Nation was on a, with Roy Green on the weekend. And he really was kind of ambivalent about that. I mean, he just said, you know, like he he's still a Canadian. And he said, he, you know, he can't speak for other First Nations, but he just he he didn't take comment directly on the flag issue, but he did say that you know, we have to move on. I know that Ellis Ross out here in in BC, the First Nations uh, candidate for leader of the BC Liberal Party, he's been calling for the flags to be raised for a while, and I mean that's I'm I'm just I I don't know what. Trudeau is doing. I mean, he's a he's a, a virtue signaling. You know what? And that's what and, he's doing. Virtue signaling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's ridiculous. All right. So moving on from the flag, the Supreme Court of Canada, and I hope you're sitting, Canada, actually stood up for free speech. Now this barely, barely. Yes, and uh, we will definitely. Uh, Get on to that one right away. So the, the story backstory is there's a comedian whose name is Mike Ward. And from a comedy skit he had performed in 2013, he had uh, talked about a, a young boy in Quebec who's had a, uh, a deformity. His skull was, uh, was a little enlarged or misshapen or something. And... He had gotten some singing. He got to sing the national anthem at a Montreal Canadiens game. And I think there was another place he's sang as well. And apparently the kid is not much of a singer. And he doesn't actually have any kind of disease or syndrome, whatnot. So Mike Ward, this comedian, said, and I don't really think it was offensive at all, but here's what Mike Ward said. Mike Ward said that, this person isn't getting gigs because he's talented. He's not getting gigs because he's disabled. He's getting gigs because he's ugly. And that's not nice, but it's not hate speech. And of course he got sued. Of course they tried to silence him, but he's taken it all the way to the Supreme court of Canada and the Supreme court. Thank the Lord. They actually did their jobs and upheld this, the, the ruling that said, no, no, he actually is free to call somebody ugly. So, uh, kind of a win. Yeah, but we, but the, but the, uh, the Supreme Court of Canada barely, barely ruled in his favor. It was a split decision, with only one judge separating the the uh, the votes. I mean, it's it's shocking. That is the real controversy here. The it real con- the real controversy here is that. Four of the Supreme Court judges ruled against free speech. Yeah, and that is that is actually more of the story. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, making fun of somebody's appearance, it's what comedians do. 
I went the uh, last time Russell Peters was here in town. My wife and I went to see him, and he spent his entire show making fun of people in the audience. And thankfully, <laughs> started, went after his speech. And, and he and his and he makes fun of people based on race. So, yeah, I mean, I mean that's Russell Peters' entire shtick is is racial jokes. So, I mean, I what Mike Ward said. I mean, and, that, and let's be fair, that wasn't the only thing Mike Ward said in his comedy routine about this kid. But, um, it's what what people have to understand is that if 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 a com- if a comedian is going to be censored, then we're in really, we're in a really, really bad place at that point. I mean, comedians are supposed to be the ones that push the envelope, who say the things that shouldn't be said. And we're just, we're in this. I mean, you don't have to find what he said funny. I mean, there's lots of comedians that I think are terrible and not funny. And are just downright offensive, but but I'll be I'll be damned if if I don't stand up for their right to say those things. I mean, it's what, what you don't understand is like, like we're, well. I mean, our listeners probably understand, but there's a lot of people out there who don't understand that when when you start censoring the people who don't agree with you, it won't be long before you're the one being censored. And it's and free speech is the single most important right in a free society. Like that is the single most important right. And when that gets taken from us, we no longer live in a free society. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, you uh you hit it out of the park uh, just a, a minute ago when you had said that, yeah, I mean, those who are offended and want to silence somebody else, you know, your turn will come that someone will silence you. And eventually, and this is what's happening already with cancel culture, more, more so in the United States and here in Canada, is that they're running out of people to cancel. So now they're starting to eat their own. And I mean, as someone who is against cancel culture, I love that, but what I love even more is free speech. And it's really sad that people like yourself and myself and other libertarian conservative types like our listeners will be more than happy to stand up and defend someone's right to be offensive, but they won't do the same for us. No. And, but the thing is, is that what we need is for the left to start eating the left when it comes to this, because what happens then is you get people on the left pushing back and that's where the pushback has to come from it has to come from people on the left because it's the left doing the 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 canceling and the and the censorship and so it has to be their own side that starts pushing back and i'm seeing that now i mean you see it in the states where uh um you know uh uh, you, you got i mean joe rogan he's he people i don't know why people seem to think that he's a conservative he's not he's more of a uh, a centrist libertarian with with a few left leaning um, tendencies. Uh, he's pushing back harder than anybody. Um, you see, uh, you know, um, what, what was his name? Um, John Stewart. John Stewart. John Stewart's pushing back hard. 
Bill Maher is pushing back hard. Um, you know, all these left-wing guys, they're pushing back now. So I I think this is the tide is going to turn. It's going to it's going to take a little while, but it is going to turn. But the thing that I including my kids and stuff like this um, is throughout history, the people doing advocating for censorship were never the good guys. Remember that. Yeah, well said. That's absolutely right. And also remember, Canada, as Lewis pointed out, the decision to support free speech was the narrowest possible margin, five to four. So, I mean, and for what was, I mean, not horribly offensive speech, only to make it through the Supreme Court five to four, we really need to defend our right to free speech. And with bills like C10 and C36 being resurrected, who knows what numbers they will they will have in this new parliament. But there's already talk about bringing that stuff back. We need now more than ever to stand up for our right to say what we want to say. Yeah, and I really can't count on Aaron O'Toole to do that for us. Not anymore. No, I uh, I know that I'd said on a on a show shortly after the election campaign that I felt that Aaron O'Toole deserved a chance to stay on, but I'm not sure I believe that anymore. And again, we'll get to that in our in our later segment in the show. But he's uh, he's already on thin ice because the caucus decided to invoke the Reform Act, which means that with 20% support through caucus, they can actually invoke a, a leadership convention or leadership review, I should say, on his leadership. So you would think he would have some motivation to pretend he's a leader. I don't know. I just don't feel like there's anybody in Ottawa that's fighting for people like you and I. There's I, nobody. I, I you, you have some, I, I, I guess, but they're not. They're not the leaders of the party. I mean, you got Pierre Poilievre, you got Michelle Rempel, Garner, you got, um, you know, Dan Albus, you got, you know, individuals, uh, but you don't have the leaders. The leaders are just not fighting for us. And that, and yes, that includes Aaron O'Toole. Yeah, it is sad. All right, so let's move on to... Um, just one quick note, you had alluded to this, whether it was our last show or the show before, that there are some liberal MPs, uh, this, this latest crop, that are getting a little pissed off at their leader. And this election that was rushed upon us, most urgent we had to have this election, the Liberal Party of Canada is the only one of the major parties in Parliament that has still yet to have its first caucus meeting post-election. And I mean, we were supposed to get this over with and get done because we have lots of things to do. And a lot of the MPs, or I shouldn't say a lot, but there is a growing number of MPs in the Liberal Party that are getting very, very antsy that they haven't even had a meeting yet. And the election was a month and a half ago. Yeah. And they're not even scheduled to return to Parliament until November 22nd. Yeah, so I mean, the, you would think they might meet before that time comes along, but yeah, there is a lot of a lot of unrest under the surface. 
Yeah, I mean, this is crazy. I mean, this was, this was, this this election was deemed to be extremely important that Canadians get to decide how we recover from this pandemic. And then once, and once Canadians chose which party they wanted to lead Canada out of the pandemic, that party just disappeared. Yeah, well, I mean, the virtue signaler in chief did shuffle the cabinet around to appoint more virtue signalers and activists into key roles. But yeah, certainly hasn't talked to the rest of the caucus to say, hey, how do you like this? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, there's a couple of uh, former liberals who have come out and said, you know, this is the least serious cabinet in Canadian history. Yeah, funny you'd say that. And that's saying a lot because the last one was pretty damn unserious too. Yeah, and uh, I had I actually thought of you when I was listening to the Roy Green show this weekend because Stephen Ledrew, who was the former president of the Liberal Party of Canada, said exactly what you have said on this show so many times is that Justin Trudeau is a really unserious prime minister and Mr. Ledrew just tore into him, and I, I thought well, that was fantastic. And he was uh, referring to Jean Chrétien's interviews, where Jean Chrétien has lambasted the current liberal crop. And I just thought, well, speaking of eating their own, why, as a matter of fact, Mr. Trudeau is unserious. And well, Lewis, you've been saying that for years. Oh, I, I yeah, I have. <laughs> so have you. I mean, it, yeah. it just this this cabinet is a joke. And, and I got to apologize to our listeners because last show, you and I both said that we thought that um, uh, Minister, Foreign Affairs Minister Jolie would be, um, was, was probably a good choice and that she would um, probably do a pretty good job. And both of us uh, forgot all about the Canada 150 fiasco. <laughs> Yeah, so I uh, I apologize, Canada. I am I probably will end up eating my words, suggesting she might do a good job at foreign affairs. Yeah. In our defense, she will only do what the prime minister tells her anyway. So if she sucks at the role, it's not completely our fault. <laughs> yeah, you sound like a politician. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, we apologize to our listeners for for that. We're we're probably wrong on that, which doesn't happen very often around here. But we probably are wrong on that. So, yeah. um, but no, I mean, talking speaking of of Justin Trudeau and his virtue signaling. I mean, he's over in Europe right now. Yep, he's. Uh, I think he flies home today or tomorrow. But his the damage has been done. He has decided to announce at the COP thirty conference. Um, well, channeling his own John Chrétien, just deciding in front of the press to announce that Canada is going to cap oil and gas emissions. Let me actually let me phrase that differently. Is going to put a cap on oil and gas emissions. Not any other sector. He just wants to cap oil and gas emissions and gradually reduce those caps on emissions 
to, well, presumably to phase out the oil sands. And then he also announced the next day that he wants to see a 30% reduction in fertilizer use in agriculture. Okay, Canada, I know that you've already put this together. Oil and gas is mainly Alberta, also Saskatchewan and Newfoundland. Agriculture is mainly Saskatchewan, also southern Manitoba, large part of Alberta, northern British Columbia, and some in Ontario and other, other places in the country. So does Trudeau really hate the West, or does he just hate the prairies? But he's got some hate. Well, I mean, he certainly hates uh, everything, you know, east of Hope, B.C., um, or he, well, let me rephrase yeah. that. He probably hates everything east of Langley, BC, because Abbotsford, Chilliwack, Hope, they all vote conservative too. And they're all farming. And, you know, I mean, Chilliwack, especially is a farming community. Um, I, uh, he really likes Vancouver Island. I can tell you that much. Um, but, but he, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is getting, really ridiculous i mean you want to reduce fertilizer user use by 30 percent. so how do you replenish the nutrients in in uh far in farmland that gets cultivated and and uh and farmed every year i mean every year those vegetables remove nutrients from the soil and you have to replenish them and how do you do that without using fertilizer and our food costs from skyrocketing, even though they already are skyrocketing because we've got the highest inflation we've had in 30 years. Um, I mean, this is, uh, it's crazy. I mean, he's even, he's even called for a minimum carbon tax planet-wide. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah we're not joking canada no and i mean this is after the u.s got the world to agree to a minimum corporate income tax i mean how long is it going to be before they start requiring a minimum worldwide personal income tax or a minimum worldwide you know sales tax or all of these i mean how long is it before the UN is the de facto world government? Well, that's what Trudeau would like. Oh, he would, because he wants to run the UN. God, that'd be scary. Well, I mean, okay, every time he goes, I mean, he went for a UN seat, he got shut down. I mean, people at the UN, I don't think they take him very seriously anyway. Um, but but he, that's where he wants to be. He wants to be in the UN. And he wants the UN to run the world. Yeah, that's that, that's scary enough. Now, see, I thought about this whole redu reduction in fertilizer use, since we're on that topic right now. We'll get to the oil and gas thing right away. I thought, okay, if you're going to reduce fertilizer use by 30%, I mean, you're absolutely right, Lewis. Then what do you do? Well, you're going to have to rotate crops. I mean, obviously, Mr. Trudeau thinks we should all go organic. Well, that requires very heavy seed output or input, I should say. But just think of the reduction in yields if you reduce your fertilizer content by 30%. 
66% of all lentils eaten in the world come from Saskatchewan. Now, I don't know how big a difference it would make on the yield if we dropped our fertilizer input by 30%, but there'd be some people not getting lentils. That's just one example. We also grow a lot of canola here, and the list goes on. Um, Canada feeds the world. I mean, there's a lot of other agricultural nations as well, but we've, uh, you know, we're a big breadbasket. We've got a lot of land here. And if you really want to make that land at a minimum 30% less productive, well, people are going to starve. Yeah. How do you, how do you feed 8 billion people around the world if we if every if every country agrees to cut back fertilizer use by thirty percent, I mean we already have a continent called Africa that has a really tough time feeding the people they got, and you don't. I mean, look at the like. Just wait until this winter, and you try and go and buy flour um, in the grocery store because. Canada's grain yields were way down this year. Like, depending on where you were in the country and what you were growing, Canada's grain yields were down, like, between 30 and 70%. So just wait until this, you know, this winter and see if you can even buy flour. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, on the fertilizer front, one of the premium components of fertilizer... Potash. Yeah, potash. That's from Saskatchewan. Who has the world's largest supply of potash? Saskatchewan. So now we're taking a shot at Saskatchewan mining. And we're going to take a bigger shot at Alberta oil and gas. Now, the reason I stress the words oil and gas, because our new environment minister, Stephen Gilbeau, even came out and said as much that they weren't looking at emissions for cement. And he specifically said cement because of that cement plant in Gaspé that went under no environmental review and then he talked about a bunch of other components of natural resources that wouldn't be subject to this but oh oil and gas oil and gas bad i'm really getting tired of this to the point where i want line five to shut down i want not one drop of western canadian oil going past winnipeg i'm just getting so sick of these virtuous signaling morons we've got in ottawa who just seem to think that we're all the radical activists that they are. And I'm not, and I'm tired of them. I'm just tired of them. Yeah, I'd like to see Line 5 shut down just so that Eastern Canada can understand that they freeze in the dark if they don't get West uh, oil from Western Canada. Exactly. Like, they need to understand this. Like, and I don't know how else to get the message through to them. I mean, we've got... We've and and what and why are there all these attacks on gas? I mean, natural gas is like the cleanest uh, burning fuel there is. I mean, if we replaced oil like as a fuel with natural gas, we it would be burning a lot cleaner. The pollution would drop a lot. So why is there so much focus on gas? Because gas is actually good. Natural gas is actually good. It is. 
Well, I mean, it's, it's fantastic. It's also used for power generation or can be, of course, they want to shut those down for wind and solar as well. But you're absolutely right. I mean, gas is clean and natural gas is something that else that Canada has that the world wants that Gilbo wants to shut down. It's like, I don't know where he believes all this green industry or green economy is going to come from if you just turn the taps off tomorrow like he wants to do. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. Like, did you know that only 27% of oil production goes towards uh, fuel? I did not know that. No. The rest of it goes towards pharmaceuticals. Uh, it goes towards lubricants. It goes towards um, plastics. And, I mean, it, it, people hate plastics or whatever, but uh, the car you're driving is full of plastics. Um, yep. Even even Teslas are full of plastics. Uh, your phone is full of oil products, like the plastic, the uh, the silicone, uh, all of this, all the everything in that phone. The 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 display itself has oil products in it. Um, makeup. I mean, makeup has more oil products in it than um, than most things on this planet. So only twenty seven percent of oil production actually goes towards making fuel. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's short-sighted, to say the least. That's the most polite thing I can say. It's short-sighted. And it's absolutely asinine. It's stupid, is what it is. I mean, it's just, it just makes me angry. Yeah, but me too. Now, we can wrap the show up on somewhat of a high note with Canada, because we had talked about Doug Ford actually hit one on the on the head and uh lewis i'll let you take off with this one yeah uh i think doug ford has been watching what's happening in bc and uh in other places where they've decided that uh well and airlines and everything where they've decided that they're going to um you know suspend or fire everyone that is not vaccinated and um especially here in bc where we have suspended 4,000 healthcare workers, and because of that, um, surgeries and tests and exams have all been canceled. Uh, so that, it, well, except for our premier, our premier somehow got in um, and, and had a biopsy. Um, but, uh, but everybody else's you know, procedures have been canceled. Um, I mean, obviously not all procedures, but a, a, a bunch. A good chunk of procedures, surgeries, tests have been canceled because 4,000 healthcare workers have been suspended. And if they aren't fully vaccinated by the end of uh, November, they will lose their jobs entirely. Um, and I think Doug Ford's been watching this and realizing, oh, my God, that's a total shit show. Uh, we don't want that here in Ontario. And he announced today that they will not be requiring healthcare workers to be fully vaccinated and that my friends is a damn good decision it is and uh you can't hear it but i'm giving a slow clap for mr ford right now that in quebec they have pushed back their deadline for demanding full vaccinations and their healthcare workers twice now 
I remember this might even be the third time, but they continue to move the goalpost back because their healthcare workers are are saying no to it. And yep. this is something that Lewis, you talked about on the show before, is that our healthcare workers were right in the front lines of the COVID pandemic through for sure two waves where there were no vaccines. So a lot of these folks, if they did get exposure to the virus, will have that natural immunity, which we now know by following the science that that natural immunity is actually more efficacious than the vaccines are. So I think the healthcare workers are right to say, no, we are not getting our shots. So Mr. Ford, thank you for recognizing that and just letting them work. Awesome. Yeah. yeah I mean, Quebec, Quebec is in a worse position than anybody if they decide to uh, fire their healthcare workers that aren't vaccinated because they have 15,000 of them. That many. Wow. Yeah. 15,000 healthcare workers in Quebec are uh, not vaccinated. And the provincial government knows that if they fire them, their, their healthcare system collapses. And so they haven't, they're, they're, they just keep pushing the deadline. And I think, you know, the healthcare workers are going to win this one because the Quebec government just cannot follow through with that threat. I mean, I, I thought BC, I, I thought the BC government was going to have to, uh, push back their deadlines too but they didn't and because of that there a lot of people i think people are going to die because of this that won't surprise me and what i was encouraged about one thing in bc because there was a group of of nurses and techs that decided to open their own clinic i know was was that in kamloops i know it was somewhere in bc yeah it's in kamloops and uh i've been uh, i've been trying to get one of the organizers of that clinic to come on as a guest. Um, the uh, they have decided to open up a clinic of their own, um, and I don't know exactly how this is going to operate in terms of how how does how does this work with Interior Health and with BC Health um, because uh, we're you know not allowed to have private healthcare in BC, so. I don't know how this is going to work um, with regulations and and whether this is going to um, get shut down by the government. So I'm trying to get someone from that clinic to come on as a guest. And uh, I've been unsuccessful so far, but um, I'm sure that they're pretty busy. And uh, but I'm going I'm going to keep trying. Yeah, that would be great if uh, if you could land somebody. What we have here in Saskatchewan and more so in Alberta, there are. Uh, we do have like private medic clinics that still fall under the public system umbrella. Like the one medic center here where I go to get my driver's medicals every few years is just that they have a nurse practitioner. They've got their own lab. And so they're able to offer very, very minor things, obviously, because it's a nurse practitioner, not a doctor, but they still fall under the public health care system. We don't pay anything out of pocket there. So maybe they're looking at that, that kind of a model. I'm not sure if the BC government will allow such a thing, but that could be one, they're one of their angles. Uh, maybe. I'll, uh, that's why I'm trying to get someone from the clinic. Um, and, and I just do want to make a point before we leave the show here today is that um, these people were heroes for a year and a half. Yes. They were heroes. And, and now they're dangerous. I mean, figure that one out. Figure that one out. 
Yep, a year and a half ago, the, the media was encouraging us to stand out in our porch and bang pots and pans and cheer for our healthcare workers. And now, because some of them have said we have no need to get the shot, now they're zeros. Kick them to the curb. Yep, zeros to zeros in a matter of a couple of months here, and it's yep. really really sad. And it's and and I'm I'm disgusted by it, and I'm ashamed of every politician that has taken part in this division uh these divisive politics and it's sickening and disgusting and i hate them for it yep, so on I'm that listening. note <laughs> <laughs> on that note at least doug ford is not going that route there, there's yeah. our our silver lining thank you yeah. mr ford for uh showing some canadian common sense yeah congratulations doug ford thank you very much and yes you're showing some Canadian common sense, and we like that here on this show. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we'll wrap it there, Canada. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Good night. Good night, Canada. Tony.